Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. What are we doing here? Okay. Star Trek, the podcast. Hello, and welcome to Transporter Lock, episode number 77. I'm your co-host, Chief Engineer Ken Gagney. <laughs> I am Captain Sabriel Maston, wondering if Ken is going to edit my little intro, and accidental intro, out. <laughs> nope. Nope. Everything stays. So, we have a bevy of Star Trek information to share today and to discuss. We have Star Trek Lower Decks, three different episodes we'll be reviewing. Season 2, Episode 3, We'll Always Have Tom Paris. Season 2, Episode 4, Mugato Gamato. Season 2, Episode 5, An Embarrassment of Duplers. And then we're also going to be talking about all the news that came out of Star Trek Day, which was just last week. So that is the agenda for today. Sound good, Captain? Uh, That sounds like a really good gay agenda. Well, I'm just reading the pad that you gave me. The chief engineer doesn't (laughs) set the agenda. Uh, I gave you my my gay agenda. <laughs> which is the same as everybody else. Just wake up, have breakfast, you know, sparkle rainbows everywhere. Do laundry. That's right. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I am referring to your to-do list, which you tweeted a couple of years ago. Yeah. Right. Uh, you remember my list more than me. <laughs> but actually, I do have a whiteboard outside my office here with labeled the gay agenda. <laughs> so I write down things I have to do each day. And where do you write down to feed your poor hungry cat who has never had food in her entire oh, life? Man. Well, thankfully, they will remind me that every day, twice a day, that they've never <laughs> eaten before. Oh, <laughs> uh, what a diligent cat. All right, so let's start with season two, episode three of Lower Decks. We'll always have Tom Paris. <laughs> uh, You're already laughing. Yes, let me start by saying that much like I thought I had already seen this episode when it aired, I thought we already talked about this episode <laughs> because of the scene with the plate of um, Tom Paris talking to Boimler. Apparently, I had just seen that little blurb in the uh, teaser or trailer for the season so much that I thought yeah. we'd already seen that. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Sorry. We'd, we've only done two episodes this season, and one of them was about a book. So, yeah. I'm like, wow, they did this bit twice. I th- I honestly thought that until I looked back, like, oh, no, this is the first time it showed up. Back. <laughs> yeah, so that's the B-plot. Boimler is back on the Cerritos and trying to get Tom Paris's autograph on his commemorative Star Trek Voy plate. And the A-plot is Mariner and Tendi trying to get the Doctor's family heirloom. I got a kick out of that. I loved Tendee on, um, well, there was things I enjoyed and things I did not like, but uh, I, I did like the idea of going back to, um, or going to the Orion planet and then coming back and then they just, I love that the season is doubling down on Ta'ana being a cat. <laughs> wanted a box. <laughs> yeah, so that's the punchline is that she didn't actually need the family heirloom. I love the behavior, like how her eyes got all nice and big when she jumps in the box. Did you see this coming? Uh, no, and I wish I would have. She just was more concerned about the box that it came in. <laughs> right. Like Even when she said she wanted the box and she started walking off with it, I was like, why Why does she want the box? And then she finally, she disrobes. I was like, oh, because she's a cat. I get it. <laughs> I love it. But a lot of stuff happened along the way. They went to the Orion homeworld. Have we ever seen Orion before? Uh, was it the actual Orion homeworld, or was it just a planet? Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. It was a pirate it's, outpost. Yeah, it was a pirate outpost. You're right. He was a a thief in a space pirate outpost, or something else that played the Orion stereotype. You're right. Yeah, but but uh, it is not the first time we've seen an Orion place, because uh, Enterprise, which we were talking about before the show, uh, we saw the big show trying to sell off enterprise people they kidnapped yep and of course there was more recently in season three of star trek discovery the orion and dorian outpost uh, yes the, the very bad orions i didn't like that makeup <laughs> yes i think th- you'll probably have liked the makeup in lower decks better yes <laughs> <laughs> i loved henny's outfit i loved her calling herself like the queen of the constellations or something like that yeah mistress of the winter constellation yeah i thought winter was in there and stuff and guessing myself (laughs) yeah there's a lot more to her than we realize and i hope that we get to learn more about that i know that that's not a side of her she's proud of but it's just ripe with storytelling um but but 
my friend Shar and I were talking about that little bit. How there's a whole bit about Tendi's like, oh, not all Orions are pirates and whatnot. Like getting mad at Mariner, and then they just go and reinforce that Orions are pirates. Well, that's the joke. Uh, it felt like a missed opportunity is what I'm trying to get to. What opportunity do you feel was missed? To explore the Orions more. Uh, I don't know. It just felt like. I don't know. It it felt off. I I wish I had better words, but it felt off. Um, Are you saying that you wish that they had visited some Orions who weren't pirates and thieves? Uh, I'm saying that if there are Orions who are not all pirates, I would like to see them, more of them. Well, I guess Tendi is the exception that proves the rule. Kind of yeah. like how Rom was the only Ferengi in Starfleet and Worf was the only Klingon. No, Nog. I always confuse Rom and Nog. Sorry. <laughs> But I am glad that Tendi and Mariner got to hang out more. They're showing different pairings of uh, hanging out this season. Yeah, they explicitly called that out. They're like, wait, we haven't? How have we not done that? <laughs> I still haven't seen Mariner and Rutherford hang out a lot. I would love to see that pairing. Uh, yeah, we got a little bit in uh, next episode that we're going to talk about. But when Mariner and Tendi went to the Orion outpost and they just basically dye Mariner's skin green, I was like, are we wearing other people's skin colors now is that an okay thing that also felt weird (laughs) i mean i know it's very different like it's not like you're casting somebody you're going undercover and there's a long history of that in star trek i mean deanna troy was a romulan but yeah or or you know like you get uh is bajoran right right and how kira was cardassian yeah or Enterprise crew or any multitude of alien species they land on. Right. So, or Voyager were bored. Yeah. So, I mean, like, there's precedent. But something about that specifically, I think maybe even because they called it out. Yeah. She's wearing green skin, I think, is what they said. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe that's why it felt. I mean, yeah. I don't know. One of the exchanges that Mariner and Tendi had was regarding Mariner having served on DS9. And she specifically mentioned stepping on Worf's, was it not Batleth, but something else of his, right? Um, I, you know, I literally just saw this, but I scrolled by it thinking, ah, oh, that's not important. Um, <laughs> it's Mechleth. So at the end of, I think that was it actually, at the end of DS9, the, uh, the final episode, Worf goes off to be an ambassador to the Klingon Empire. So he's no longer serving on DS9. And we saw him join the DS9 crew. Like he wasn't there in the pilot episode. So that means if Mariner was there at the same time he was, then she was there during the show that we saw and i'm like did we ever actually see her in the background are they trying to suggest that there was somebody on ds9 and this is the same character you know what? maybe maybe someone will find like her in the background but i suspect they are just playing because she has been everywhere hypothetically yes but honestly i think the answer is they're just trying to connect her to everything just for kicks yeah, I, I agree with you. That's likely. and But it would be neat if like we all started going back and watch, pausing and watching all the people in the background DS9 <laughs> that were like, wait a minute, that was Mariner. She was there all along. Whoa. <laughs> and don't forget, there's a trillion and one people who are always off screen. There's what now? A trillion and one people who are always oh, off screen. Yes, this is true. Yes. Uh, although, speaking of DS9, when they went to Quailon, they had both Quarks and Vic Fontaine. <laughs> Which, the, even in a later episode we're going to talk about, they mentioned, like, wow, there's a Quarks here, too. That's right. Which is a total, like, nod to Picard, where we saw Quarks. And so, like, this is showing Quarks is expanding everywhere. Remind me where we saw Quarks and Picard? It was in Future Boston. Uh, in, like, the first episode or two of Picard, uh, there was a huge building. Or maybe it was even on, on um, Stardust City, where Quarks had a place. Oh, interesting. I forgot about that. Yeah. I, I think you're right. Oh, that's and right. So, huh. And the lettering is the same as in Picard. And so, like, this is a total nod, like, the show, like, yeah, see, here, he's already expanding. Soon you're going to see it everywhere. So it's interesting because in the DS9 novels, the so-called season eight, you'll recall that Bajor was petitioning for admission into the Federation, which would have made Deep Space Nine Federation territory where money is not used, which would have put Quark out of business. Uh, Federation doesn't use money until it needs to. <laughs> it's a it's so, a it's a narrative thing, right? So th- they did work around that in the books. I won't ruin it for anybody who still hasn't read it twenty years later. But I guess that either that book is canon and Quark was successful enough that he went to franchising, or the book is not canon. He was booted off DS Nine and he went into franchising. <laughs> either way, he righted what went wrong. It's true. 
Oh, yes. That's true. <laughs> so there have been a couple of times, as, including in this episode, where Mariner says, uh, sci-fi stuff is happening. <laughs> and I was like, uh, is it science fiction in the future? Like, if our science fiction is Star Trek, then what is Star Trek science fiction? It reminds me of, uh, on an episode of Firefly, I think, Wash said, this sounds like sci-fi stuff. And his wife said, you live in a spaceship, dear. <laughs> Like, like, how can Mariner say anything as science fiction? Yeah, it's for us. I, I mean, but you're right. Like, uh, so I was saying, like, what would science fiction look like to someone who, to us, is science fiction? But then, um, but like, because you've seen so much. But then that's just more like time travel. It's not even science fiction then. It's so, um, I mean, the singularity. I mean, right. what is science fiction to someone who's science fiction? Especially right. when you have shows where, what graphically when you're making it. Like TOS is far beyond the realms of TV production now, but right. when you make discovery that takes place beforehand, uh, <laughs> tech like Star Trek is basically we can do it no matter what era we're in if we need to, right. uh, and so that's an interesting question that might need a panel somewhere. <laughs> well, you know, one thing that is science fiction which didn't go on, which did not go explained. There was a third plot, a C plot in this episode, which was the return of the security chief. <laughs> I love that. You do? Because I hated it. <laughs> because they were totally right. That no one in the lower decks would know at all why all of a sudden this person who died is back. <laughs> but do we have that many instances of people coming back? I mean, I can think of Spock and I guess Kirk, but he died immediately. And maybe Tasha, but as her half-Romulan daughter. Janeway was the person who died the most in Voyager. Harry Kim died, and all of a sudden he's back with a little girl. Oh, that's Um, right. That's right. Yeah, this is very much a concept that happens a lot in Star Trek. (laughs) I think it happens more than I realized. Yeah, 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 it does. So, no, it totally made sense to me. And then Rutherford being all traumatized, and then... Oh my god, Tendi having to see, in the next episode, Rutherford, no, no, excuse me, Tendi having to see Shrax and Ta'ana <laughs> getting all close, like, oh my goodness gracious, yes. Um, yeah, no, it, I loved it. I thought it was great. Poor Rutherford. <laughs> I didn't like that they didn't explain it. Like, okay, if you want to acknowledge that people in Star Trek come back to life all the time, and you want to make fun of it, that's fine, but... I still need closure. This narrative needs to make sense. And we don't uh, know what Rutherford knows. Uh, to me, it was closure. <laughs> but they left it open-ish where they could return to it if they need to. I, I did really like the part where Rutherford turns around and suddenly he's having like a waking nightmare. And all the different people are surrounding him like, <laughs> no, I was assimilated. And did you hear like in the background, and one of the tracks is saying, in the Nexus, it's always Christmas. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Anything else about this episode? Yeah, we got to have Tom Paris. That's appear. right. That's right. I'm sorry. I, I forgot about that. So, yeah, the actor came back and played Tom Paris. Robert Duncan McNeil appeared, reprised his role. I felt like they kind of weirdly used him as, like, the Boimler all of a sudden appeared looking like a Kazon, and then Paris just, like, going berserk and felt weird. I mean, I thought that was kind of funny. I thought... Like, we haven't heard of the Kazon in almost any other Star Trek. And also, I'm always going to remember, even though it was expected because it was part of a ruse, the day that Tom Paris slugged Chakotay on the bridge. <laughs> you know, it was part of his whole rebellious act mm-hmm, to oust mm-hmm. the actual rebel. Yes. You know, and I'm like, I could totally see that Tom Paris just walloping a Kazon on the bridge. <laughs> Uh, well, I was disappointed as Delta Flyers did not acknowledge his appearance on the show at all. Oh, why not? I, I thought like once it aired, maybe maybe they'll answer like viewer email in an episode or two and talk about it. But I was like, man, they didn't talk at all. Yeah. So for those who forget, Delta Flyers is the podcast hosted by Tom Paris and Harry Kim, Garrett Wang. Yes. Yeah. I I, I kind of wish we'd seen more of him. Tom Paris was sort of a foil in this episode yeah. that the other characters reacted to. I would have liked to have him to actually be a guest star where he like is a major part of the script but yeah you only had like a few lines so, oh, that's wow. a bummer but i mean it's like q when he, q was on there mm. uh, oh yeah that, yeah that's you. right and so <laughs> they don't want to take away from the people who are actually on the show yeah although i, I when the 
Cerritos bridge crew say, just don't take us to the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> I thought Tom Paris was going to be pissed off at that because I'm thinking also of Detmer, how she practically suffered from PTSD because she was the one who brought Discovery into the future. <laughs> Maybe, you know, uh, Tom Paris was like, guys, look, it happened once and it wasn't even my fault. <laughs> it's not funny, okay? But, I, I, you know, Voyager got home 20 years ago this year, so maybe he's over it. Maybe. I mean, he got a wife out of it, so maybe... And he didn't really have a home to come to, so... Did we ever see them get married? Uh, yeah. Yeah? Didn't they get married on the show? I don't remember that. I guess I'll have to wait for Delta Flyers to cover it in four months or so. <laughs> I, I mean, clearly they were a couple and they had a baby together, oh. but I don't remember a ceremony. I thought they did, which also brings me to a very relevant point that uh, three series are leaving Netflix at the end of this month, including Voyager, Enterprise, and... DS9, Next Generation, yeah, TOS, TOS, TOS. Okay. They're going to be Paramount Plus only, unless something changes in the next few weeks. Well, that's not exactly surprising. Uh, Disappointing. So just want to get that out there so everyone knows. So I'm now looking at Memory Alpha for Tom Paris, and it says Paris married Belana Taurus during the first running of the Antarian Transstellar Rally. That's right, when they were in the race because they had these cool uh, uniforms. Yeah, proposing as the shuttle came close to suffering a warp core breach. The two of them right. used the Delta Flyer for their honeymoon. Huh. Yep, I remember that now because they had the, the Just Married written on the back of the Delta Flyer. Yeah, now that you mentioned it, I remember that too, but... You know what? I'll be honest. Discovering this is kind of disappointing because I liked the idea that you can be a couple and have a kid and not be married. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when my... The 90s. Like, yeah. Like my mom would be, was, would be in the room as we watched Star Trek Voyager. And when she saw that Tom and Blano were having a baby together, she the first thing she asked was, are they married? And I was oh like, <laughs> does it matter? I mean, you know, my mom, different generation, very Roman oh. Catholic. I can totally understand why she would ask, but it doesn't make it any less frustrating. <laughs> anyway, should we move on? I mean, we have two more episodes and a lot of trailers. Should we move on to yeah, Mugato Gamato? On to the Gumudu. Okay, so I have never seen the original series episode that um, I think this creature is from. Yeah, the Mugato. Uh, <laughs> they're making fun of the Mugudu because the Gamato is a word that. They kept changing the pronunciation of and like um and I double checked on it. It was DeForest Kelly couldn't say what they were gonna call it. And so the and so they were totally ripping on the Mugato uh, pronunciation in the episode. So this was like an unintentional error in the original show. Uh-huh. And so they're just ripping on it to shreds here. Oh my. <laughs> the and Gamato, I guess... <laughs> There was also a Mugato skeleton on the Collector episode of Lower Decks just a few weeks ago. Uh, honestly, I've forgotten entirely. I had never noticed it because I don't think I've ever seen the original episode. <laughs> oh, what episode wait, was it? A, pr- a wait, private little war. What? Because the skeleton had the little horn on it, doesn't it? Yes. I think I remember that. Yep, I did remember that. Well, All I right, remember well, you remember it better than I do. <laughs> so was Mariner, like she was suspected of being some super agent spy. And if you read Memory Alpha, it says specifically that she's suspected of being a Section 31 agent. Did they say Section 31 in this episode? Yeah, Rutherford uh, or Boy and Blair called her that. Um, oh, okay. At one point, like, ah, she was Section 31. Or they, they keep referring to secret black, black ops and things like that, too. But they did specifically say Section 31 at one point. So is there anybody in Starfleet who doesn't know about Section 31? Oh, no. Now? It's like the worst kept secret. I mean, when it was on DS9, nobody knew about it. But then you go back to Discovery, everybody knows about it. And then you go to Lower Decks, and everybody knows about it again. Uh, well, well, Discovery, we, we found out why it went into hiding. Yeah. Because the robot took over. And so everyone forgot about it. And then we know that everybody on the Cerritos knows everything that's ever happened in Star Trek. Right. And so, like, that doesn't surprise me at all. Because it's for us. Well, yeah, they only know about the stuff that made it into episodes of the TV show. Right, because they've seen all the episodes, too. Right. Oh, my gosh. So this reminds me. I used to watch Days of Our Lives, and there was a villain named Stefano Demera, mm-hmm. and there was uh, Abe Carver was the chief of police. And there was one episode where like Abe Carver's in the police station saying, if only we knew what Stefano was doing. And then it cuts to the different setting and it's stefano you know plotting his next evil plot and somebody in the audience like somebody at home watching this show taped it and sent it to abe carver 
and said, here's what Stefano's doing. <laughs> Whoever was watching the show could not distinguish fantasy from reality. And they thought, oh, if, if Abe Carver could just watch the show that I'm watching, he would know what Stefano's doing. <laughs> Uh, and then we go to Mr. Video and Ren, right? Ren Space Falls the movie. <laughs> exactly. Yes. If only we knew what was going to happen. So. <laughs> When's this? As it's now. When will uh, then be now? <laughs> now. No, that's not the answer. It's soon. And so back to the, right? the, the Gumudu. Um, yeah. I got to kick out this episode from like, the, the mating scene and the watcher. I did not expect that at all. I thought that was so crude. <laughs> I wasn't a fan of them being stuck in a log that was being humped by a Gumado <laughs> while another Mugato was watching. <laughs> and they're all wore out. Gross. <laughs> Even right? the watcher. <laughs> Even the watcher. Well, I'm glad you got amused. I did. And they also had the Fringy, whose name was Kink. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. The KYN kink. Because at the end, they show a big sign and it's covering over the outpost. Ugh. And I had a kinks, uh, Mugato, whatever, uh, refuge or whatever like that. But it wasn't just any Ferengi. These were last outpost Ferengi. Yes, yeah, so I love that they referenced that too. Are you some kind of weird last outpost Ferengi? Because they're all talking like, I was I was honestly surprised we did not get a human. Right. I mean, we had that joke last season, but. Was that phrase last outpost ever actually used in the episode last outpost? Oh, I don't think so at all. So the crew of the Cerritos are actually referring to the name of an episode of TNG? Uh, yes. See, I told you, they watched all the episodes. That's Yeah, that's the only way to explain this sort of meta humor. You must be correct. <laughs> I mean, they might have. It's been a while since I've seen the episode, to be honest. But I'm going to run with the running theory, since I don't want to stop the audio or make everyone listen to me. Right. Track and scrub through Netflix. So. <laughs> <laughs> you do it, too. You would. I would. For the erotic part. <laughs> I loved the oh my gosh I loved the compromise that they came to at the end like I actually was expecting that to be some sort of a bazooka because that's something Kirk would do you just like <laughs> get some dirt and some bamboo together and you build a bazooka and instead it was a projector and they played to the Ferengi's actual interest and found a non-violent solution <laughs> the part where they're gonna go shoot like here and the image shows up with their cost analysis and then one of them still gets one of the Ferengi still gets uneasy and gets ready to use the whip and the other one's <laughs> kinks is like no 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 <laughs> <laughs> Well, because they're still Starfleet. Yeah. Uh, I love that they're using the whips. Like, if the Enterprise brought them back, and then yep. the cartoon here can bring them back, because actually working with them, I'm sure, is a pain in real life. That's why they stopped using them. Well, remember in one of the very first episodes of Lower Decks, if not the first episode, Mariner uh, recruited a Ferengi yes. to act like a Ferengi when he actually wasn't that savage. Yeah. Oh, my God. So we've seen a lot of different Ferengi here. You know, it's funny how much... When I can talk about the show and whatever, like, like this, or I can enjoy it more. But when I'm watching it by myself, like I mentioned last time, like I get so little out of the episodes until I actually have someone to talk to. Like my friend Shar and I will text. I wish I had someone to actually physically here to watch mm. as I'm watching it. No, I get it. I mean, one of the reasons you and I created this podcast is because neither you nor I have somebody to sit down and watch Star Trek with. And yeah, talking with each other is the next best thing. Yeah. Uh, but it's not a substitute. So I've had the good fortune to actually watch Lower Decks all five episodes so far with friends. Uh, I watched the first the first two or three with a friend of mine. And then another friend showed up and she hadn't seen any of them. So I went back and watched the first three again with her. <laughs> and then watched four and five. So I've seen almost... I've seen the first three episodes like anywhere from one to three times each. <laughs> And then four and five once each. And it's been nice. Like uh, this most recent friend of mine, uh, we actually also watched Star Trek First Contact. Nice. And it took us several hours because either she would pause with questions. She had seen it before, but it had been a while. Or I would pause it just to tell her something that I thought was interesting. Assimilate this. Right. Yeah, well, I, I'd also read the novelization of the book, uh -huh. and there were like two or three key differences. Like, did I ever tell you why Zephram Cochran? Is an alcoholic? Uh, a lot. I'm going. You did not. Uh, would I ever guess in a billion years? It's actually very realistic. It's because you'll recall that movie is set right after World War Three. Mm -hmm. World War Three has disrupted the production and supply chain, and Zephram Cochran no longer has access to the medicine he needs to treat his bipolar disorder. Oh, really? And so he self-medicates instead. Oh. And from people I've talked to, they have said that's very realistic. Wow. 
Yeah. Almost like someone wrote that in from personal experience. Right? So it really gives a whole new dimension to, like, when he was in a manic phase, he was very productive. But even when you're in a manic phase, sometimes you need a downer, and that's what alcohol can do. And then you keep drinking when you're in a depressive phase because you've developed the habit. Interesting. I yeah. Put that no. together at all. So, you know, his alcoholism in the movie is almost a comedic aspect of the character, but yeah. the book really introduces a whole new human element to him. I really like that. Yeah, me too. There were some things about the book that were worse than the movie, but that was definitely one of the better aspects. Uh, so. We also know that Lieutenant Hawk is gay. Yes, I read that novel, Section 31 novel. Yes, and also the ship is little. No, uh, that was in the movie. Uh, something <laughs> else. No, for real, there was something else there, but I had forgotten, so we'll just ignore it. But because um, we cut too many times where I just get stuck on a memory alpha. <laughs> it's true. Yep. <laughs> and let's not get started on memory beta. Speaking of, speaking of, it's really interesting to me that the length of the episodes, uh, the recaps on memory alpha for um, uh, Lower Decks is about as long as like any hour episode of Star yeah. Trek. Yeah, it must be written by a podcaster. <laughs> I find it so fascinating. The only thing that's missing is like the production notes because it's not live. <laughs> There's that, yes. In order to not be too long, should we move on to an embarrassment of duplers? Uh, oh, there was one more thing I was going to bring up. But bring it up. This is the episode where they continued on the Tanana is a cat. As uh, Tendi in the B-Flight is supposed oh, to right. chase down people who haven't been scanned, who refuse to get scanned, like the one-second scan. And the last person we find out is Ta'ana, who is a cat person. And when Tendi finds out it's Ta'ana, Ta'ana once goes total cat mode, runs away, hides underneath the shuttle, goes <laughs> under tubes, yep. uh, attacks. Oh, wait. And all stuff. And I just loved the doubling down on she's a cat. Uh, the part where Tendi found out who the last patient was and the doctor started clapping and slowly turning around, <laughs> well played. You figured it out. And I was like, this is getting dark. <laughs> Uh, so I love that, and and we also found out that uh, Boiler, no, excuse me, Mariner is the one who's spreading all the rumors about Mariner. Yes. Uh, so and, makes perfect sense. And the guy from Maine, who's clearly a bartender. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. Herman Munster from Pet Cemetery up there. Oh gosh, I I haven't seen Pet Cemetery. Uh, but... I mean, you don't really need to see it other than it has Tasha in there. Uh, it does. Denise yeah. Crosby's in that movie. Yep. Yep. It's like I think that's one of the first movies she did after Next Gen when she. Left Gen Next Gen to be a movie star. I think I only ever saw her in Next Gen and Lois and Clark. Oh, and uh, she was also in. Uh, she did two movies on Trekkies too. If you ever want to see those, I, you know, I know she's done those, but I haven't seen them. They're okay, to be honest. Uh, skippable but interesting. I mean, if 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 you want to have something to put on the second screen while you're doing other stuff, it can be kind of neat to have on. But I don't know if it's really, honestly, worth a sit down and watch. Uh, but I mean, it's neat if you ever come across it. Yeah. But don't go out of your way, in my humble opinion. But at the, at this point, there are so many Star Trek documentaries. Yeah. I was like, I, I don't know why I should watch one instead of the other. Right. And this is before there were a whole bunch more. And so, uh, uh yeah, if you see it, go for it. But don't go out of your way. Noted. Especially the second one. First one's way better. The first Trekkies? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was two of them. Okay. Noted. Thank you. An embarrassment of Duplers. Oh, my God. I really didn't like this mo- this episode. No, why not? Well, I mean, certainly there were aspects that I liked, but I really didn't like the Duplers themselves. I thought that was like a stupid characteristic for an entire race to have. And I just was, uh, I don't know. I just thought it was, it was kind of like Tribbles, how they just explode and everywhere. And I just didn't need a sentient Tribble. Yeah, and also, yeah. and also the idea of always walking on eggshells around somebody like I already do that with my family. <laughs> I, I don't need an episode of that. Yeah, I hear you. I'm glad that despite them being part of the A plot, kind of, what they kind of the B plot, even though they're part of the main thing, they were all over the episode. However, everything was around Boimler and Mariner. The 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 Duplo Duplers were kind of a what's that? The uh, the, the the catalyst. Okay. Uh, but, but thankfully they weren't. But I'm kind of with you. The Dupler was like, okay, yeah, this makes this is the thing that only makes sense in a cartoon because, and they looked so car- they looked like Flintstones cartoon characters. They did not seem to fit the animation style of Lower Decks. 
I'm glad you clarified what you meant by that because everybody in Lower Decks looks like a cartoon character. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there, there are parts I liked about this, but it, I think it fits well in the middle of the season when it's not as not one of the best ones. <laughs> Yeah, I liked all the Easter eggs when they went to the party. Like, their like Okona was the DJ. <laughs> That's outrageous. <laughs> right. I had to explain to somebody wh- why that was funny. Wait, did they actually say that in the episode? That's outrageous. Yeah, yeah. Um, Captain did. Oh my god, I totally uh, missed what, that. She's like, Okona's here. That's outrageous. <laughs> oh, how did I miss that? I even turned to my friend. And I said, Oh, he's from the episode The Outrageous Okona. He auditioned for the part of Riker and said he got that. Oh. And then he went to play the Rocketeer. Oh, that's right. That was the same guy. The best Captain America movie. I am looking forward to the next Rocketeer movie. Me too. I'm so excited. (laughs) Uh, I liked in the bar, not only were Kirk and Spock's initials in there, which I think that was kind of hinting at all the uh, fanfic about them. What do you think? Uh, That did not occur to me, but I can see that. Yeah, like usually when you carve two people's names somewhere, it's a couple. I mean, I would say more often than not. But here, I, I guess I can totally see that. But I honestly thought it was just, I can see that. Well, I mean, to be clear, I don't think Lower Decks was suggesting that they are a couple. Right. I think it was a meta reference to the fan fiction. Right. You could so, be right. I did not see uh, that. But I, but I the bar decora- the decorations also included the, the Phoenix, uh, mm-hmm. the Doomsday Machine. Mm-hmm. And I paused and looked at all the other stuff in the background. I didn't recognize anything else. Uh, there was the uh, a miniature of the Guardian of Forever on the behind the bartender on the Missed wall. It. Missed there it. was portraits of, like the the weird insectoid like alien that was in the animated series. He had a portrait on the wall. Oh, okay. That would be why I didn't recognize it because I haven't seen that episode. Uh, he was like a main. I don't want to say main character. He was on a lot of episodes. But if if you pause and look at all the pictures in the background, you'll see a lot of references. And then we also got to see the people who are not fish people, uh, the <laughs> fish beings. Yes, uh, I did which was see funny. That. We got to see another quarks. Yeah. Um, we got the data and data lore, <laughs> maybe. Oh, the the bobbleheads or the the um, bubbleheads, yeah. The avian race. I think they were from animated series as well. Wait, isn't that is that the same avian race that we keep seeing on the Cerritos Bridge? No, it's different. I think it's a different one because that guy walks around like a suit. These people were just walking around in total bird form. It reminded me a lot of um, strong, not strong, uh, BoJack Horseman. Still haven't seen it. Oh, great show! Great show! If you want to see a great show about depression uh, and alcoholism, fun. <laughs> but no, it's a really good show to be honest. Yeah, there was tons of little references here and there. Uh, there was a, there was multiple people of Morn species. Um, one was in the bar with Mariner and Bucket in the end, passed out in the back from drinking too much. I did see a Morn, yeah. Uh, there was one walking around. Uh, we got to see inside of a Vulcan ship. We got to see an Andorian ship at Space Dock uh, that we saw on Enterprise a bunch. I'm sorry, I said a Morn. I should have said a Lurian. Lurian, that's it. I couldn't, I couldn't think of the actual off the top of my head. But um, as for the episode, yeah, I'm trying to get into a party. Like, oh, we got to please see uh, Captain Shelby. Yeah, and we didn't, were we supposed to know that person she was with? I think, I don't think we were supposed to, but I think that one was in one of the movies when they were in like the Starfleet headquarters in the background, triangle mm. head with multiple eyes things. Wait, pyramid head? What? No, no, completely different. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a um, very different Star Trek. I think if I recall correctly, the memory in the beta canon, Shelby for a while was Riker's number one. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think now she's captain. Not surprising. Yeah. I mean, it was like, okay, police chase in a space station. All right. I was waiting for for police cars to randomly blow up for no reason, which did not happen. Um, and then uh, I like the little solution of the little model has its own little warp core thing where they had to get tweezers to do this. That thing. was funny that it was that accurate. <laughs> I got a kick out of that and then using it to blow up a little hatch. Although Rutherford implied that the notes his old self had left were specifically to slow him down, but why would old Rutherford leave notes to his future self? Because he didn't know he was going to lose his memory. Uh, maybe it's not specifically to this Rutherford, but just to Rutherford next time he tries to do it. Doesn't necessarily mean it makes logical sense, or you found something that we weren't supposed to think about yet, because it's going to happen in the future, like Rutherford that we know is at Rutherford from the future. Oh, God. You're blowing my mind here, say real. <laughs> Honestly. Oh, by the way, since you are my captain, is it okay that we're on a first name basis? Uh, yes. Should I just keep calling you Captain? Is uh, that... Podcast only. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. So off air, I need to call you Captain. Right. 
That's like very opposite of what it should be, but okay. <laughs> if that's what you're into. Great. Uh, anything else about duplers? Oh, at the very end, the little model kit of DS9, and it has both Jadzia and Ezri. I love that. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. Um, I forgot his name was um, Samantha. What is it? Samantha? Who? Uh, Rutherford. His whole first name is not Sam. It's um, Samantha. Okay. I just never knew that, though I'd forgotten about it. So when they called him Samantha in this episode, I was like, what? Oh, it's you. Yeah, Samantha. Mm-hmm. It's Samantha with an N. Yep. That's it. Uh, Neat. Oh, but, but mm. speaking of Rutherford, I was thinking this week, because I watched some, some Voyager, and I'm like, uh, I started watching like for the third season, because where Delta Flyers, the podcast is at, and I was like, oh, I'm going to watch along with these guys a little bit while I can, while it's not on Paramount Plus only. I was thinking, like, you know, they had seven Borg, but they just really didn't do a lot with Cyborg people in the whole entire run of star trek closest we got for the longest time was seven mm-hmm. and then on Arium. uh yeah we had Arium. 2009 they had someone who might have been one but they just done so little with cyborg and that's common common cyber or like like sci-fi trope mm-hmm. i'm wondering if that was an intentional thing or they just never thought of it and I'm not really. It's not really a question for you, unless you have an answer. But I just thought that was interesting that they didn't really use cyborgs much in the most of the run of Star Trek. Well, you have reminded me tangentially of going back to "We'll Always Have Tom Paris." When Boimler was in line at the replicator, there was somebody in line behind him with a visor, like Jordy. Right. That's right. And I don't understand why they had that because by Star Trek: First Contact, he had gotten rid of his visor, and I explained how the last time we saw him was when he was in Star Trek Generations and the Klingon sisters had hacked his visor so that they could get the f- shield frequency and destroy the Enterprise D. And the my friend who I was explaining that to said, well, maybe that's why he upgraded to these bionic eyes was because they're more hack-proof. They're, the, the visor was a security risk for Starfleet. So if that's true, either they've improved the visor and people can still use it, but even if they have, if the bionic eyes are quote-unquote better, why would somebody choose a visor? Unless there are certain prerequisites. Kind of like I can have contact lenses, but I can't have LASIK surgery. So I'm just not a candidate. So maybe somebody is a candidate for a visor and not for bionic eyes. I feel like you honestly answered your own question. Well, I had to verbally process it. No, no, it's okay. It's like rubber ducking. <laughs> if you don't know that process, it's a process of programmers is known for having a rubber duck on your desk and you talk your problems to it and work your problems out out loud to figure out solutions to your problems yep i'm familiar with it it's a great Uh, let's do any listener who doesn't know as well oh yeah yeah i get it so shall we close the chapter on lower decks for this week and talk about what happened on star trek day yes and i also before we go today as for you and the viewers to all remind me before the end of the episode, only one of you can actually tell me. I have a little story about Voyager on Netflix and Amazon. Okay. So. So, Star Trek Day was September 8th, just last week, 2021. It was the 55th anniversary of Star Trek, the very first episode that debuted back in 1966. And there was at least three hours of panels and music and new trailers. There were a lot of new trailers. We want to talk about three of them in particular, starting with Star Trek Prodigy. This is the new animated series coming from Nickelodeon. About a week earlier, they'd released the opening sequence. And then on Star Trek Day, they released a new trailer. Now, I got to say, even before Star Trek Day, there was a teaser of the show, and it didn't leave me too excited. And the trailer is only marginally better in my opinion, but the opening sequence is, I think one of my favorites in all of Star Trek history. I love the opening to Star Trek prodigy opening as in like, you mean like the title sequence, like where they show the ship flying around doing its thing. Yes. And they're playing the music and the, in the version we saw, we haven't seen any names yet. So there's actually no credits, even though I call it the opening credits, but it's like a minute and a half. I love the music. I love the scenes because like in Star Trek Voyager, we see the ship going through these beautiful science fiction environments, but at an almost leisurely pace. Whereas Prodigy, we see the ship going super fast, which is so exciting because this show is about kids who find a Starfleet ship and use it to escape their environment. And yeah, after being shackled your entire life, you'd want to go fast. So I love that. I love all the different Star Trek uh, Deltas 
that they create or fly through. And also, if you didn't know, all the different body parts that you see, like a face, a hand, an eye, each one of those represents a different member of the cast. It's all very cool. I thought the intro was very reminiscent of Voyagers. Yes, in some ways it was. The main difference for me being the speed. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, for me, for me, the, 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 for anyone who doesn't know, Prodigy is going to have um, Kate Mulgrew reprising her role as Captain Janeway, a hologram of Captain Janeway. Yep. And so that's why, to me, it had that nod or uh, references to Voyager. To me, I saw inspiration from the Voyager intro. Oh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. Whether that was intentional or not, I don't know. But for me, it, me- it meant that. I like it. What did you think of the trailer that came out on Star Trek Day? Uh, for Prodigy, I'm still like, okay, cool. I'll check it out. This is definitely like, I don't know. I mean, it's clearly a kid's show, so I don't know how much I'm going to get out of it. But it's going to be neat to see Kate Mulgrew reprise her role. Yeah, because and we don't have to wait long because Star Trek Prodigy debuts October 28th, 2021. So that's just next month. It's a 10-episode season on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, the trailer that we saw on Star Trek Day... I'm still not too excited, and I'm really, really, really curious to know how anybody can just find a Starfleet ship and make it go. Like, uh, no verification, no ID, no nothing, just punch it. I think we'll have that question answered. And that is the main reason I'm going to watch Star Trek Prodigy, <laughs> is to answer that question. Uh, for the clarification, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting concept, we will see. But when we see another Starship... Federation Starship is just crash landing on a planet like um, the the Franklin in Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, but uh, that's we'll true. See. Did they have like any sort of Star Trek um, like this is Captain Kirk voice authorized? Uh, no, we just had the beats and shouting. <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess you're right. But I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. For clarification, it first airs on Paramount Plus, and once all ten episodes have aired, then it will air on Nickelodeon. Oh, fun. Shall we talk about Picard Season 2? Yeah, this one, the gay moms are yelling at each other while trying to drive in L.A. (laughs) (laughs) That's the highlight for you, huh? That's what I got of it. I think Q might have showed up. I don't know. Yeah, we got the the space dads in Discovery and the space moms in Picard. (laughs) So it looks like every character from Picard is being thrust into an alternate timeline. It looks very Nazi-like, you know, lots of black leather. And they have to somehow go back in time and undo whatever deviation in the space-time continuum caused that timeline to occur. And I just don't understand why. This sounds like a two-parter season finale, season premiere. I'm sure it'll make more sense once uh, it airs. But for me, it was like, are we going to see the beginning of the Mirror Universe? That's what I was wondering, too. Uh, or or like where things diverged, if there was a divergence, or if it was always that way. but Or, or it was just a... Uh, to me, I was like, this is what happens if Trump gets back. <laughs> uh-huh. um, oh, gosh. Um, you know, I, I'm still excited. I mean, we get to see now that poster of L.A. We got like six, eight months ago or so, whatever it was, um, uh, making the Delta symbol make sense uh, with highways instead of like, you know, that, that makes sense because for whatever reason, they go back in time as well. I hadn't seen that. Uh, I think we commented on here on the show, but we were like, what in the world does this mean? Why are they making Delta symbol out of the highways? Uh, and now it makes sense. We get to see Rafi and Seven doing their gay stuff. I mean, we get to see Q her, her tormenting um, Picard. Like, even in death, even when he's already dead, he can't get away from Q's trial. And what is up with that? I mean, okay, the trial never ends, but why is... This is not humanity on trial. This is Picard. It always comes down to Picard. Three times now, it's always been down to him. Like, why are there not other representatives of humanity that Q can test? Uh, we don't know that there aren't because he went and hung out with Janeway and Cisco, and Cisco hit him, which Picard never did. Right. Um, uh, <laughs> but uh, but he has a special connection to Jean Luc. I guess I don't know. I just. I don't see how switching to a different timeline is like an existential threat like uh, All Good Things was. I, I mean, I just... we saw multiple times, like even with the vicious animal things where they killed Worf uh, with the bayonet or uh, I mean, Picard just likes to mess with them too or, or the uh, Robin Hood. Uh, he likes to mess with Picard and crew. 
Yeah. I like, like the Robin Hood, like, I am not a merry man. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, but those aren't tests for all of humanity. It's just him. It's just Q amusing himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, we'll see. It makes sense. Well, th- what we saw of the trailer reminded me of the Star Trek Enterprise episode Carpenter Street. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that one? Yeah, we went back in time, went to the drive-thru, and got a burger. Yeah, they they went down to early 21st century Detroit, and that that was so unexciting for me. Like, time travel when it's time's arrow, that's cool. Or when it's future tense or days of future past, that's cool. But Carpenter Street, it felt like an excuse to just wear street clothes and save on costume budget. I mean, like Star Trek Four, double dumbass on you. They did it there too. <laughs> okay, but that was a re- actually a really good movie. That's different. <laughs> but oh. I, I, I totally get your thing. Yeah. So anything else to say about Picard 2 before we move on to the final trailer? I'm still excited about it. Yeah, I'll watch it. <laughs> but you can tell from my tone that I'm doing it <laughs> under duress. Sir, I protest. <laughs> All right. So the last one was not actually a trailer per se. And yet it is the thing that came out of Star Trek Day for which I am the most excited. I oh, my gosh. Me too. The, all the unexpected characters they're bringing back. Yeah. This, so this is for Strange New Worlds, which is the spinoff of Star Trek Discovery Season 2. And it features Pike, Spock, and number one. They're back, but they're not alone. They're bringing back some characters we know from TOS, for example, like a young Uhura. Young Uhura. We get... <laughs> well, 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 also, also, this is the first time in this universe that they have canonized Uhura's first name. Yes, they put Neota here. They mentioned it in the Calvin timeline, yep. but they never mentioned it in the Prime universe. Yep, so that's new. So that's pretty exciting to have her back. Also, the Doctor. A Doctor Mbega. Yeah, was he the space doctor? Or I don't remember. No, no, he was um, also another doctor. Mbenga. Uh, He was uh, another doctor on the original series. He was in a number of episodes. Uh Oh, I didn't realize that. Yep. So, so, wait, so he was on TOS? Yes, he was. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I totally misinterpreted who this was. I thought it was somebody from The Cage. No, no, the guy who was talking about space law and space space theory and space that's right theory, when they when they thought we had to put the word space in front of everything so everyone knows we're in space that's right <laughs> I, okay dr mbenga that's cool he was the ranking medical officer when leonard mccoy was absent uh, yep yep gotcha oh wow so bringing him back and then we get the second Majel major barrett character <laughs> chapel it's like both her characters are going to be on this ship. It's great. I know. Two characters who were originally played by the same actor, not at the same time, are now going to be on the same show. Yes. That is so neat. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but those three people coming back were the big surprise. And like, uh, I was not expecting that. That helped get me more excited about Strange New Worlds. That's always like tentative. But like, I just don't know enough to be excited. And now I'm like, oh, this is really cool. It got, it's put me to another level of excited. Yeah, and the new characters too. Like apparently, somebody who has the same last name as Khan Noonien Singh. Yes. What is up with that? Like, is she genetically altered? What's going on? Uh, he, she has somehow descended or related to the person who caused the eugenics war. I mean, like, there's just there's relatives of Hitler out there, and they think they changed their last name. <laughs> Why well, this person has not? Yeah, and so like I don't know why you wouldn't do that, but hey. <laughs> there is also a white Andorian named Hemmer. Yes, the, no, um, the the not Andorian, the um, Anar, the second uh, race of Andorians. Right, so they are Andorians. I mean, I guess technically. Yeah, and and the reason they're white, of course, is due to an error on the original series. They are, but the Enterprise went with it. Yeah, which, oh, no, I, I know that it's now canon due to Enterprise, but Enterprise did it because there was a mistake in the original yeah, anime series. But I love the ANR. Uh, they, they were, like, one of our favorite parts of Enterprise. And I love the Andorians. And so, like, yeah. when I got excited about ANR, who's actually played by a blind actor. The character is blind, and they brought someone who's actually blind. Who, Hemmer? Uh, yeah, or legally blind, at least. I don't know the level of sight they have. Huh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Are are all the ANR blind? I don't know if they all are, but the one that we saw on Enterprise does, I think uh, because of the coldness of the region, they just didn't need it. Yeah, right, right. Uh, it's a little foggy right now because it's been a bit, but um, yeah. Um, yeah, this actor lost 90% of his eyesight to childhood cancer. 
Wow. Okay. I, yeah. I did not know that. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, and also, one of the new characters that I'm really excited about is Erica Ortegas. I don't know why I'm excited. She just looks awesome. <laughs> like, I love her haircut. <laughs> yeah. So there are some new characters that, like, we have reason to be excited about somebody who's descended from uh, a, a Wrath of Khan character. We have ex- reason to be excited about an alien. We have reason to be excited about these new characters who are showing up, uh, who we've seen before on TOS, etc. Erica Ortegas, I don't believe we have any history with this character. The name does not ring a bell to me, uh, but I just like the cut of her jib. Uh, yes, yes. Um, whether the, pers- the actors or not, they have a lot of queer vibes. And so it made me happy. Yeah, there's definitely that. Cool. So we have a lot to be excited about. Um, uh-huh. So Star Trek Prodigy debuts October 28th. Star Trek Discovery Season 4 debuts November 18th. That implies to me that they're going to be overlapping because Prodigy is a 10-episode season. And if they do one episode a week, that's definitely going to overlap with Discovery. So, Sabriel, you and I are going to have like two episodes of Star Trek a week to watch. Yeah, I guess we'll talk about Prodigy. That's going to be worth talking a bunch. But also, Star Trek is always coming out on Thursday night. So when are they going to, like, are they going to stagger this? Like one is Tuesday, one is Thursday? We shall see. Yeah. And then next year we have Picard season two and Strange New World season one. Yeah, and Picard was uh, gone for a third season. We know that now. Oh, good. They announced that at Star Trek Day. Oh, they also announced Picard season two. Uh, the Board Queen is coming back. I guess yes. that that they. I th- it looks like they have her in a Star Trek fa- uh, Starfleet facility, like a laboratory, and they somehow use her to time travel. Yeah, so maybe that will be interesting to see. Uh, yeah. Uh, when you met, when you called it the Star Trek, it reminded me of when when Patrick Stewart was on SNL <laughs> and he called. Oh, right. His trivia was: Did you know that the original show, the start, it was the called ship. the ship was called not called the, the Star Trek. <laughs> it was called the Enterprise. It's a true story. <laughs> uh, and also, we know from a year or two ago that Guinan is invited to be back on the show. Yeah, so she has and- to appear. Well, she's a very long-lived alien, and she is sensitive to changes in the timeline. So it would make sense that if they go back in time to an alternate timeline, that she would be there. Yeah, maybe she'll. We'll finally get a reason why her and Q don't get along before this happened. That'd be fun to find out. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. So I have. If we're done talking about Star Trek Day, I have some random trivia I'd like to share with you. Uh. One more moment. I was disappointed to find out that um, someone used the F word uh, for a a slur against gay people to uh, Wilson Cruz, Dr. Hugh Culber. At Star Trek Day, someone called him the F word. Uh, It did not get picked up by microphone, but he tweeted about it. And so a lot of people talked about or Tweet as who tweeted about it? Uh, Wilson Cruz did. Uh, And I assume that this term was not used affectionately. No. Uh, and so it was disappointing to hear someone in the audience yell that. Yeah, uh, I did not know that. So, oh, somebody yeah. in the audience. Yeah. Why would you enjoy Star Trek if you don't appreciate diversity? Uh, I mean, I tweeted a little picture about some people just go, wow, cool starship and ignore the message of Star Trek. Mm. Yep. Uh, so that uh, was disappointing, but uh, he got a bunch of support. On the bright side, I did like seeing Will Wheaton and Micah Burton. Yes, uh, Mika Mika uh, is uh, Jordy's daughter, but no, LeVar Burton's daughter. Uh, I I first saw her on Star Trek, or no, excuse me, the Overwatch League. She host help host uh, segments on Overwatch League, and then she quit that and kept doing other things like be on here and Critical Role. In Critical Role, she's been uh, double gaming segments, hosting lots of nerd things. She's done some stuff with Rooster Teeth. Yeah, so she got to be here, which is really cool, and she got to introduce her dad for a segment. Aww. We got to hear Issa, who played um, uh, the two uh, student-type androids on Picard, sing Blue Skies. Hmm. We got to see, yeah, it was it's really good. Uh, Star Trek Day this year is pretty cool. Yeah, and you can rewatch it anytime at, on Paramount+. Plus. Yes, uh, and now I am keeping us way long. Yeah, so I just want to wrap up with some uh, random stuff. So I was going through Memory Alpha, and they have an entire wiki page on undeveloped Star Trek Deep Space Nine episodes. Like, all the ideas that they had that didn't become actual episodes. And it was it was fascinating. To re- it was like a what-if of what could have been with Star Trek. Like, they had the idea that Jennifer Sisko was not dead. She was assimilated. <laughs> okay, I could see how that would happen. 
Yeah, yeah. And also, they had an idea that well before Buffy did it, and well before Chicago Hope did it, they wanted to do a musical episode of Deep Space Nine. <laughs> like, there's some sort of a tech virus that infects everybody, and the only way they can communicate is by singing. That was a theme back then. The Guild did it, and uh, lots of Z- shows did that. Xena did it. Yeah. Everybody. I, I would have loved it. Anyway, it's fascinating reading. I have not looked to see if they have similar wiki pages for, like, un developed TNG episodes but sometimes you can see on the DS9 they're saying yeah we didn't end up doing that episode but we copied some of the ideas into this other thing you know like yes. they had like they had the idea to bring back Ensign Sito from Lower Decks mm-hmm. and she had been trapped behind enemy lines for all this time right the episode from TNG not the anime series and they said yeah and to really drive home how desperate she was like she kills her cellmate and they're like no let's not do that let's throw away the entire episode except for that one bit and we'll have o'brien do it in the episode hard time <laughs> wow like that's where that came from oh yeah yeah you, i reuse ideas like that for, i mean not that specific one but like things like that in D- dming D all the time right and they also talked about like oh we want to go rescue thomas Riker, you know and that never happened that's really cool so anyway my last little thing I wanted to remind me of, it's super quick. Go ahead. <laughs> it's hilarious. I discovered on Voyager, <laughs> there's an episode where there are different cuts of it, depending on what streaming service you're on. On Netflix, you get the aired version. Uh, this is an episode where they have all the Kazon, um, Ogla, oh, and Mr. All, all the uh, head honchos of the Kazon meeting up. And I tweeted a picture or a video of this a weeks ago, but I thought this is hilarious because we're talking about streaming services and where someone introduces all the Kazon coming to this meeting and it's silent. Everyone just kind of, everyone just kind of walks in, get their name announced. Cool, cool, cool. And if you watch on any service that isn't Netflix, which you're not going to be able to do soon, um, someone went in and edited in fanfare and applause for every time someone comes down. Didn't, a ridiculous number of people cheering everyone being introduced uh, that are not in this building at all. And it was so bizarre. I thought that was a random YouTube edit you were sharing. No. It was actually like on a streaming service. No, I recorded that from the service. I heard about it. I looked it up. Oh, my God. That's weird. (laughs) Someone went and added fanfare and cheering. Like, why would you do this? And so now it's a shame. I bring it up because, you know, Voyager's going to be going away and we're going to be stuck with probably the bad cut of weird cheering. Well, I'm glad that you saved it. I'll be sure to embed that tweet on transporterlock.com. Yeah, I'll find it, but my God, you got to listen to this. It's really weird. <laughs> Two more quick things. One I want to share is a website I found, stapi.co. It's the Star Trek API. And it's basically a queryable database of like 6,000 characters, 2,000 pieces of technology, uh, 1,000 books. So if you need any information about Star Trek, uh, primarily from Memory Alpha, you can use this API to query it and load it into whatever other program you're running. Incredible, including trading yeah. card test. <laughs> right. I've heard some complaints that it's incomplete. I have not tested the quality of the data. If you go to the GitHub repo, it hasn't been updated in many years, like uh, two to five years, depending on which part of the repo you're looking at. But, you know, it's better than nothing. And one last thing, this month, 13 days from the day we're recording, so September 26th, 2001, was the debut of Star Trek Enterprise. Ah, yes. So we are coming up on the 20th anniversary of the first Warp 5 flight in Broken Bow. I had to go. I had no one to watch that with in college, and I couldn't watch it in college. So I had to go back home to Detroit, or my hometown, uh, (laughs) and record it on UPN, then drive back to college and watch it. (laughs) That's right, UPN, which is not a thing anymore. Now it's Paramount+. Plus. Uh, but yeah, that was the last new Star Trek series for a long time. It was TNG, DS9, Voyager, and Enterprise all in a row, 18 consecutive years of Star Trek. Enterprise, which at the time was only called Enterprise, not Star Trek Enterprise, was the first Star Trek since the original series, the first live action one, to not run for seven seasons. Because yeah, that that's how long TNG, DS9, and Voyager all ran. Enterprise was only four but if you can get first, if you if you can get through those first three seasons, the fourth one is really good. Oh, uh, get through! I love, there's only one episode I tell people to avoid of Enterprise. Only one. Yep. Which one? Uh, no, it's it's one season in season three where Levar Burton actually produ- uh, directed it. 
where uh, Hoshi, Archer, and uh, two others get down, and they start turning into this race of people who were there already, similar to the episode the LeVar was on mm. TNG. They said that as cool. And they had just like awful weird acting. It was so bad. I tell people oh, to skip it. Civilization, it might have been called. Okay. And I'm not 100% sure on that, but third season for sure. And it's so bad. And LeVar Burton like regrets directing that. Oh. Everyone's like, this is one of the worst episodes we did. And huh. it's like, well, I have often heard that if you're going to watch Enterprise, you should watch it all the way through to the penultimate episode and then stop. Yeah, serious finale. If you put that somewhere else, it's a fine episode. If you put it as a serious finale, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty disappointing in that respect. Uh, but also, we, we should also remember the context that Star Trek Enterprise debuted two weeks in a day after 9-11. Yeah, which was... That's the world that we were in when that came out. Yeah, and they used the Suliban, not knowing that the Taliban were up to something. It was intentional. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like the very, f- and then you know, season three, which is now two years later, they had the opportunity to be inspired, quote unquote, by nine eleven, and yeah. they start with a terrorist attack on Earth, and then we go off to try to find the aliens who caused it to stop them from destroying our planet. We had to go give our freedom somewhere else. Yeah, I felt like that was. I mean, the, the season itself was fine, but I felt like it was, hit a little too close to home two years after 9-11. Yes, agreed. I've never rewatched any of Enterprise. Maybe I should oh. go back and watch it now. Maybe 20 years later, it will hit less close to home. Uh, it still will, but oh, I still suggest rewatching it because I love Enterprise. It's one of my favorites. Oh, we should talk about that sometime. Okay. <laughs> In the meantime, this has been Transporter Lock episode number 77 for Lower Decks and Star Trek Day. Until next time. Punch it. Wait, no, hit it. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at Transporter Lock or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at transporterlock.com. <laughs>